Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. There's a portion of scripture I want to share, uh, which is to me an important scripture in the light of where Jesus is going. I want you to... I want you to understand this. When, before we read the scripture, we need to understand what's happening in scripture. Jesus, in this part of the Bible, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is about to enter in the beginning of the end of his ministry. He's not going up the hill of life. He's actually coming down the hill of life. After this scripture, after this moment, he now is going to go through what they call the triumphant entry to Jerusalem, where he was riding on a donkey. And then seven days later, he is being whipped, crucified, and resurrected. This is the end of his public ministry. At this point, nobody's inviting Jesus to preach in synagogues. At this point, Jesus fulfilled most of his functions or responsibilities that were prophesied before Jesus came. So he's almost done. The only thing that needs to be done is die on the cross, shed his blood and cleanse us from all sins, resurrect on the third day, and give us the promise of the Holy Spirit 40 days later. That's it. But everything else that was prophesied about Jesus, he did it in three and a half years. So now Jesus is at the end of his ministry. You're not going to see after this Jesus doing many miracles. It's not, it's not, he's not going to be doing that. He's not going he's, he's to be teaching a lot of teaching. This part in Jesus' ministry, his focus is to establish intimacy with his 12 because of where he's going. And that's important. That's important. Now, understand this. He's at the end of his ministry, and shortly after this, Jesus is going to heaven, and we ain't going to see Jesus again until he comes back for the church, okay? He's going to leave. He ain't going to come back. But upon leaving, he's going to leave some stuff behind. He's going to leave some stuff behind. He's going to establish the church, the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of things he's going to leave behind as he leaves forward. So he has 12 men who have been with Jesus for three and a half years. I want you to see this as those of you that are graduating, right? You're going to high school, right? You're going to college. 
Some of you guys are graduating from college. Some of you guys are graduating from high school. You've been in high school four years. Ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. Year 12 or the 12th year, you're going to get a diploma. Oops, sorry. Right? You gotta get a diploma. Right? The diploma you're going to get is what's going to open you doors to get a job. If you're going to college and you're graduating college, bachelor's, master's, or what have you, this piece of paper is important. Because what this piece of paper tells people is that you are prepared. You are ready to enter into the field you have been studying for. That's why even though the paper is so insignificant as it pertains to its weight, but it has power. So now you apply for a job and you show them this document and this document lets them know that you have the knowledge to embrace that field whereby you're applying to work for. Jesus had the disciples for almost four years. Now is finals time. You can't get a diploma until you pass the test. You can't get the diploma until you go through your finals and you take the examinations. And now Jesus, it's okay, Jesus takes the disciples to take an exam. And this exam is going to determine whether they're going to graduate or fail. This is, this is finals right now. Y'all been with me for three and a half years. Ninth grade, tenth grade, 11th grade. Y'all been with me long enough. Now I got to put y'all through the test. It's test time. And this is the test. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, he's taking his disciples to take a test and he takes them to take the test, not in Jerusalem, not in, not in Bethel, not in Nazareth, not in Galilee. He takes them to Caesarea of Philippi. Why, did Je why does Jesus take these disciples to take a test in Caesarea Philippi? Here's why. Because of the question he's going to ask them. See, 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 this final exam that Jesus is going to give his disciples is not based on 50 questions. There's no multiple choice. There's no fill in the blanks. He's going to ask them two questions. And how they respond to these two questions will determine whether they will A, pass grade, or B, fail the exam. But in order for them to answer the question, Jesus puts them in a place to test 
their answer. Now listen. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, first question of the exam. Who do people say the son of man is? Now understand. When Jesus asks this question, he is not referring to himself. Although Jesus knows he is the son of man. He's saying, hey, hey, what's the rumor out there? It, it, it's as if I'm, I'm dressed somebody completely different from who I look today. I got a wig. I got a beard. I got a hunchback. I, I, I looked weird, totally opposite. And I ask, who do people say Gabby is? And you can't decipher that that's me because I'm disguised by the beard, by the hair, and by the hunchback, and by the, you know, the, the, the decrepit way of looking. So Jesus is not asking because he wants them to exercise their thought process as it pertains to the people's opinion on Jesus. So he says, who do the people say that the son of man is? The son of man is a title. It's a title. Like doctor is a title. Lawyer is the title. Who do people say that the son of man, that title, son of man, who people say that person is? Which then, look at the response. They replied, some say that the son, the title, that the son of man is John the Baptist. Others say that the title son of man is Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He's asking them, what's, what's being said out there pertaining to this title, son of man? Elijah, okay, that's cool. Elijah said, fire came from heaven to Elijah. That's a, good, that's, a good, that's a good example. Jeremiah, the crying prophet, okay, that's good. John the Baptist, he was then preparing the way for the phenomenal. But check this out. But now here is the final exam question. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? Because many people know about God by other people's experiences with God. You'd be surprised how many people in church have no relationship with God and their point of reference of God is other people's experiences with God. And Jesus is giving them an exam because this exam is going to determine whether they pass the test or failed the test. So he says, before I give you the diploma, here's the question. Who do they say that I am? The Son of Man is. And second, who do you say that I am? Context. Where is he? Caesarea or Philippi? What was going on in Caesarea or Philippi? Caesarea or Philippi was known to be a pantheistic city. Multiplicity of gods. They had the god called Pan, P-A-N. They had the, 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 the God, uh, they, 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 they had a shrine in Caesarea Philippi, a shrine, and in that shrine, they had all kinds of gods for all, to, yeah, sun God, moon God, star God, and that's where we get the days of the week, Sunday, 
was for the God of the sun. Monday was for the God of the moon. Thursday was for God Thor. They had gods for everything. And Jesus stands in Caesarea of Philippi where all of these gods are. And he asks, who do they say that I am? The son of man is. And in the middle of all of these gods, he asks his disciples, and who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered. Now, when it says Simon Peter answered, it doesn't mean that the disciples didn't answer. Simon Peter, or Peter, is the spokesperson of the 12th. Okay? Isn't that that? John didn't know who Jesus was or Bartholomew or Nathaniel or, uh, uh, you know, James. No, no. They all knew. But Jesus asked, you know, when we read the scripture, we're thinking that Jesus says, and who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. It wasn't a 2.3 second response. This is an exam. He says, all right, guys, uh, who are they saying that I am? And everybody's guessing. Jeremiah, Isaiah. Uh, Elijah, but I mean, but mom, and one of the prophets, John the Baptist, and then he asks him, and who do you say that I am? And now they all get together. Okay, this is a test guy. Who, who do you think he is? <laughs> and all of a sudden, Simon Peter gets up, and look at what he says. Simon Peter answered, "You are the Messiah, the Son." Of the living God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. There's another version that says, You are the Christ. King James says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When we hear Christ, when you hear Christ, you think, you think sublime, you think angels, you think spirits, you think hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> You're the Christ. Well, the word Christ or the title Christ means the anointed one. The word anointed in Greek is the word unguentos, which means this. Crushed. So when Peter responds to Jesus, he's saying, you are the Christos, which is the one who is going to be crushed. But as you're being crushed, like the olive is being crushed, oil is going to come out. And based on that, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, son of Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh or blood, but by my father in heaven. And now his graduation time. And now I tell you, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Check this out. And the gate of Hades will not overcome it. Now understand this. Caesarea of Philippi had a shrine, had a shrine of multiple gods. In Caesarea of Philippi, there was this place called 
the gates of Hades. We know that there's a spiritual and a literal implication to that scripture. We believe that there is a heaven, and we also believe that there's a hell, that none should perish, but all should go to everlasting life. But when Jesus is referring to Hades, he's not talking about spiritual hell. Although he is talking about spiritual hell, but he's not implying spiritual hell. Understand what I'm trying to tell you? There are two things in Caesarea of Philippi. Number one, multiplicity of gods and shrines. Number two, there's a gate. I went in 2007 Israel and I saw this place. There's a place called the gates of Hades. And the gates of Hades was literally a gate. And Hades means destruction. Now, why were the gates of Hades at Caesarea of Philippi? Because Caesarea Pier Philippi was a place where you would sacrifice to your gods. There was a gate at the, there was like a precipice. There's a precipice. And right at the end of the precipice, you go to this gate, you walk towards the precipice. And what they would do was, they would take living humans, kids, young girls, young boys, tie them up, walk them through the gate of Hades, and then... On behalf of their God, they would push these sacrifices off the cliff and they would hit the rocks on the way down. And at the end of the, of the precipice, there was a river and the goal was they would continuously drop lives and sacrifices till they managed to see the river full of blood. Jesus is saying, oh, Jesus is saying, who do people say that the son of man is? That's number one. Number two, who do you say that I am? And they replied, you are the Christos, the anointed one, the crushed one. Isn't that what they were doing? They were throwing them down the cliff. You're the anointed one. As if to say, once I die and I sacrifice, there's no more need for sacrifices at the gates of hell. What is that? He says, he says, he says. And so this place called the gates of hell or the gates of Hades is a place of sacrifice, of torture, of dying. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys to the gates of Hades so that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. See, there, there are people in the church, and I'm not just speaking about new birth, but there are people in the church that are walking around with no keys. You have no keys. Keys represent access. Keys represent going into places other people can't go. Y'all can't come to my house without my keys. If you come to my house, you're you going to get bit by my big four-legged Little chihuahua got in my house, right? A little chihuahua. To have keys means to have access. To have keys imply that you can go places in this structure that others can because you know someone or something in the house. Jesus is saying, I want to give you the keys to the kingdom, but how you pass this test will determine whether or not I will give you access to the keys. So the question is not, are you coming to church? The question is, do you have the keys? Do you got the keys? 
some of us are stuck outside of the enemy's plans over our lives and we cannot enter into the place God has for us because we don't know who Jesus is in the midst of our crisis. He says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, I'll, loosen, I'll, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. And so today, what aspect of Jesus do we need to learn today? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What do I get out of this? When I, when I read the scripture and when I look at this and when I look at the question that Jesus is asking, the quintessential question is what, is, what aspect of Jesus is he trying to teach me that I should know about him? Imagine if Peter said, you're the healer. That, was a good, that would have been a good answer. Good, ding, 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 ding. What do you have for Johnny? Good answer. That's a good answer. He's a healer. But then again, he would have been so, so wrong on so many levels. Because healing is what he does. Healer is not who he is. Oh, he's a water walking master. Yeah, that's a good answer. But water walking is now who he is. That's what he does. And some of us, we only know Jesus based on what he does. Based on what he does. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you some keys, and I'm going to give you some power, and I'm going to give you some authority, and you just can know me just because you were sick and I healed you, just because you was broke and you're blessed. No, no, no. You got to know me at another dimension so that even when I don't heal you, even when I don't open the door in the middle of all these gods, you can say, you are the son of the living God. We're living today in our 21st century of Caesarea Philippi. There's so many gods now. There are more gods nowadays than there were in the Bible. You got God, lowercase gods, called your Apple phone. Some of you guys worship that phone more than you do your own God. No, I don't, Pastor. I don't sing to the God, but you're, all, you're on it every 30 seconds. Refresh. Nobody has liked you in the past three hours, and every five minutes you're refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Mama, nobody's texting you. Stop. Every five minutes, changing your status. Got in the car, LOL. Five minutes later, got out the car, LOL. Two minutes later, I'm in my house, LOL. We don't care about that. But, but let me say, my, 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 my point is, my point is, if we were to spend half the time we spend on our phone, oh my, you'll be walking on water. You, you, you'll be walking in the power of God and the glory of his. If you would have spent, that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, I'm not going to put you in the, in the synagogue and ask you the question. I'm not going to put you in the temple. I'm going to take you in the middle of hell, in the middle of all these gods, and right there, can you tell me I'm the God in the midst of God finance, in the midst of God depression, in the midst of God frustration? Can you tell me who I am so I can give you what I want to give you? So who is Jesus? Peter says, you are the crushed one. 
You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. The son of the living God. All these gods and the shrines are all dead. But you are the son of the living God. And here's what God does. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh nor blood has revealed this to you, but my father who was in heaven. And I tell you, here's, here's the diploma, and I tell you that you are now Peter. 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 Petros. Peter. You're Peter Petros. And upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church. He says, you are a little pebble. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now, many people feel that, many people think that Peter is the rock of the church. And many people idolize Peter, especially the traditional Catholic Roman church, feel that the church was anchored in Peter. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says, you are, he changes his name from Simon, which means unstable, to Peter, which is Petros, which is a pebble. A pebble. You are a pebble. Don't get it twisted, Papa. You ain't no rock. You're a pebble. Petros, and upon this rock, Petra. The question is, who is the Petra? Who is the rock? The rock is not Peter. The rock is the revelation that Peter got of Christ. He says, upon this, this thing you just said, that's what he said, Simon, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father was there. Based on what you just saw, that what you just confess is the rock that I'm going to build my church. So the church is not built on a man. The church is built on the revelation of God towards man. He says, you're just a little pebble. That's why when we come together in the church, you're a pebble, I'm a pebble, you're a pebble, let's be a pebble too, right? When we come to church, it's a lot of little pebbles coming together to make this big rock. I'm here to tell you, your knowledge of Christ, my knowledge of Christ, your knowledge of Christ, when we start getting together and worshiping Jesus, we become this mighty, unshakable, unmovable rock where Jesus establishes his church, but it's starts with this. Who am I? Who am I? So as I close, I ask you the question, who is Jesus? You can say, he's a healer. Yes, he's a healer. You can say he's a way maker. Yes, he's a way maker. You can say, he's a matchmaker. I was depressed, single, and lonely, and God hooked me up, right? He does all those things. But that's what he does. It's not who he is. Who he is. And here's what's crazy about who Jesus is. That I can know Jesus in ways 
that you will never know him. Because my relationship with Jesus is my relationship with Jesus. Now, in my relationship with Jesus, he can heal me as he can heal you. But your relationship with Jesus is not my relationship with Jesus. But it is a relationship that will usher us towards receiving and obtaining what God has for us. So let us no longer live a life knowing of Jesus. Oh yeah, he's a prophet, he's Elijah, he's Jeremiah, he's John the Baptist. No, that's nice. But who do you? I'm interested in who you think I am. Because Christianity is about relationship. It's not a second opinion of somebody else's perspective of who is you and God. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.